Welcome to the Swamp Meadow Community Theater Podcast, episode number five, almost two years after the last episode. I'm sorry, I've been really, really busy. But uh, we're back, and glad you could join us. MASH opens this Friday, and I have been directing it along with Rob LeBeau. On this episode of the podcast, Rob and I sat down and talked about all things MASH and about what it's been like putting this show together. We recorded this a few weeks back, but between rehearsals and life in general, this is the first I've been able to get back to it. Ironically, I should be at the first rehearsal of Tech Week, but we got snowed out, so I figured I'd get this done. Before I do, I wanted to take a moment and, and talk about something that, uh, well, talk about someone we lost this week. As you may have heard, Tim Hillman passed away on Friday, April 1st, after a brief illness. It was all rather unexpected, and many of us are still in shock and, and reeling. Tim acted for Swamp Meadow in The Crucible and in The Man Who Came to Dinner, and that's where I met him, uh, working on that show. And uh, Tim also directed Our Town a little over a year ago. Uh, he quickly became one of my own dear friends, and I've been I've been pretty rocked by this. Um, there's a lot I could say, but I, I think it's 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 already been said by a lot of people. And um, Tim was just a special guy, and um, I'm really going to miss him a lot. Memorial service for Tim will be held uh, Saturday, April 9th at 11 a.m. at St. Luke's Episcopal Church, 99 Pier Street, East Greenwich, Rhode Island. In Tim's memory, donations may be made to the Bennett Amalu Foundation. There will be a reception and theater to follow. I don't quite know what that means. Anyway, we're going to miss you, Tim, but we won't forget anything you taught us. Now, without further ado, here is my discussion with Rob LeBeau, part one. How long have you been into MASH? When did you start being into the whole MASH universe? Oh, I started young as a kid, watching it with my father. You know, every time it came on. You watch them. You watch them first run, right? No, not first run. <laughs> I don't know how old you are. <laughs> no, I'm not that old. <laughs> See, I'm old enough now. That I just assume everyone's old. <laughs> we're, we're not too far off from each other, I don't think. But no, I didn't watch it first run, reruns. I, I watched it. I watched it first run the later episodes because it, the show started when I was four, so I don't remember. Anything like that. I grew up on the BJ Winchester Potter era, which is why it's always been, that's been kind of my personal favorite. I didn't, in fact, for years, I, I really, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I would have said, I hate the Blake Trapper years. I didn't like those at all. And it wasn't until I got the, the big box set of DVDs, mm -hmm. the, the Medicine and Martinis collection. And I went back and watched everything. And I realized these shows are really good. In some ways, they're the better shows. I guess it depends on what you're going to mash for, because the show had it changed so much over its run that it, in many ways what it was in 72 and what it ended up being in 83 are completely different in some ways. Our show is more of the 72 version. But... Oh, yeah. I, I like Blake, but I, I definitely, I think my favorite time span is when Radar was still there, but it had switched over to BJ and um, mm. Potter. yeah. But there was still radar there, and then you know, then they lost radar, and Klinger moved up the ranks. <laughs> that was good. I thought it was a good evolution for Jamie Farr's character. But you know, you miss him in a dress. You miss all those <laughs> antics trying to get out of the army. But I guess you can only go so far before it's like, okay, we've seen this a hundred times. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> so we did one thing about Mash too, especially recently because of the production, rewatching all through it. It never seemed to have that real jump the shark moment that a lot of TV shows had 
you know, even when they reshuffled the cast, I, I really wouldn't consider that like pulling a cousin Oliver thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's an old reference. <laughs> okay. Now my age is on. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say it got it got a lot more preachy. You know, I mean, and as Alan Alda, I think, over, took over more of the writing and more of the directing, he certainly brought his politics into it. I never felt it was preachy. I just felt that they were trying really hard to say, you know what? It's one thing to make light of these, or to make jokes about these things and, and to make a point through telling a joke. But it's almost as if the joke is, or rather the point itself is being lost. The humor is not quite getting the message out or they want to treat the message more seriously. And in a way, I think, it, it, as I get where they're going from, but so much of what made the, the early episodes so great was that they could make a point inside of a joke and in a way that made the point better because it was inside of a joke. But yeah, I mean, MASH is... I think it's supposed to be one of the... It's, it's, I think it's within the top 10 all-time great TV shows, according to most surveys I've ever seen. It's definitely on mine. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I, don't, I can't think of a show... I don't think I can't think of a show that I go back to from that era that gets me as Mash does. I, I was rewatching uh, what was it, a season five episode called OR. Frank was still there, so Frank hadn't left yet. It was, uh, but it was Potter and BJ and 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 but Burns was still there. It wasn't Winchester yet, and uh, it it was like one of these marathon OR sessions. The whole episode is just nonstop. The only place it's filmed is in the OR and in the sort of uh, sort of hallway outside the OR. Otherwise, that's that's it. The entire episode is in this one place. Just showing, you know, how they're just tired and, and, and losing it. And there's a couple of emotional moments in that show, and I'm sitting there watching, and I'm tearing up going, my God, it's like, you know, 30, 35-year-old TV show, and I'm like, it still kills me every time. Well, it, it, does, it definitely seems like at that period of time on television, too, they were kind of breaking new ground with subjects they dealt with like they were, it was less of that I don't I don't know like that slapstick Dick Van Dyke show and it kind of moved into you know with shows like obviously Mash but like All in the Family they they took subject matter that was normally something that didn't go on TV and they brought it to the forefront and like you were saying with Mash when it evolved it seemed like uh, it didn't start that way but especially Alan Alda started getting a little more carte blanche with the popularity of the show so he was able to you know, really put his impression on it. And hopefully uh, we've been able to kind of carry on that tradition. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And we've, we've spent a lot of time working on the, uh, the technical aspects as well, because you know, we have great actors and we'll talk about, we'll talk about them in a bit, but we got, so we got great actors. And so in fact, in many ways they've made our jobs a lot easier because they're coming in and they're getting the material, they're getting the characters and they're running with it. They get the parts and it's, it's been surprising me how little direction I felt like we've needed to give them, you know, you know, little, little subtle things, but not, you know, there's not been a single person where we've been like, Oh my God, they're just not getting it. We have to really work with them. Everyone's really gotten it. And it's just been like subtle things like, you know, Hey, you know, your body language is, is you, you need to be more forward. Don't be so closed off. Turn this way, face that way. This line is not meant to be a goofy line, but more of a bitter line, you know, that sort of thing. But it's allowed us to work on the technical and the technical it's going to be great. So one example is I had always wanted to have the choppers come over the audience from back to front or front to back, depending on, I think we're doing front to back because the landing pad's going to be in the back of the theater. The Swamp Meadow soundboard, for all of its humongous size and needing two people to pick it up kind of thing, it is only capable of outputting left and right. 
So we could have put speakers in the front, speakers in the back, and then said, fine, the front speakers are left and the back speakers are right. But that's kind of a hack. And thanks to uh, Swamp Meadow Creative Studio, which got a big grant this past summer to buy a whole lot of audio and video equipment, um, we now have this really great small USB-based mixer, the Roland OctaCapture 8. And well, that mixer is great because when they hook it up to the to the computer that drives the sound, they now have the capability of driving the sound out four channel. And so we've got speakers, we're going to speakers in all four corners of the theater. And now we're going to have choppers going back front diagonally, left front to right back, and what have you. We're going to we're going to have them flying all over the place. There's going to be jeeps coming into the compound. If you're sitting in the middle of the audience, it sounds like they're driving around you. It's just this great immersive surround sound experience that we're we're able to do now. I know we're talking about. Um, you know, we're talking about the effects and surgery of, of blood, the, you know, the clink of shrap, shrapnel going into the bowl and having explosions outside, having the lights that are on the tables flicker and, and debris falling from the ceiling. So we're really trying to capture all well, the horror of war, really. And put not just the actors into it, but the uh, audience into the, the midst of it to make them feel as though they're in the camp with everybody else. And, and, and like we were talking about with the actors, it's it's been entertaining to watch just about everybody put their own spin on the characters that you, you know everyone's going to be familiar with, but you're not going to see carbon copies. You know, people aren't going out there and doing impressions of Alan Alda or Larry Linville or Loretta Sweat. They've kind of put their own twist on it, and very well too. I think it's very hard when when you're doing pre-production, you spend all your time, and th- that's who you think of. You think of those actors' versions of these characters. And it's very hard in some ways to to get to the first table read and to start to hear the beginnings of the new actors and what they're doing with the parts. And, and it's hard not to start saying, oh, that doesn't sound right. No, 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 it has to, no, it has to be this other way. And then you, you, you let go of that and you start to let it happen and you let them find who the characters are. And all of a sudden it's like, this is a totally different version of that character, but it works so well. I don't want to sing. I do want to single people out. I mean, there are people who do amazing things. I mean, I'm thinking about like Keith Johnson, who's who's our Frank Burns, and he's completely not like Larry Linville. You know, his Frank is a lot more. He doesn't have the same insecurities that Frank does. You know, that that Larry Linville's Frank does. Larry Linville's was an was an incredibly insecure character, mm-hmm. very very whiny, very you know, he was aggressive. But he was also he would he'd be very like you know you know and and Keith is not like that at all except for one point where you know in a very entertaining way he is but tune in <laughs> I think but, you said it best before where Larry Linville was like a caricature and yeah there's more there's more believable in what Keith has it's less I don't know, less slapstick yes yeah, less vaudeville clownish. But still very entertaining. <laughs> and and it's, it's too bad in a way. I mean, Larry Linville did such a great job with Frank, but even he as an actor, he's the one who chose to leave the show. He wasn't written out. He said, I'm done. There's nowhere I can go with this character at this point. Yeah. And he was right. There wasn't. He'd, he'd done such a good job building it in a certain way that it had nowhere to grow. Whereas, you know, Margaret had... She'd softened up so much over the years, and she became a lot more... She never became buddy-buddy-buddy with, with, with Talk and, and BJ, but... She certainly grew to trust them. Hmm. Maybe not trust. <laughs> well, I always enjoyed it in the episodes, like the little times where she would kind of, um, you know, kind of let her hair down. Like I remember a really early episode where she gets drunk with Hawk and Trap, and uh, right, right, Frank comes in and 
he's sputtering on and you know as he leaves Margaret's like who was that you know it, it just it seemed like a natural reaction from uh, Alan Alden Wayne Rogers like they almost hadn't expected her to say it I always wondered about how much especially now re-watching it how much improvisation actually happened on the show I don't know it's a good question and it's another thing too uh, with the um the chemistry between the actors on the show we it seems to be we seem to be lucky enough to have the same thing going on with our blend of actors. We did cheat, to be fair. We, we cast two really good friends as Hawkeye and Trapper, so they already had that relationship coming in. So a little bit of a cheat. <laughs> That's actually the nice blend. I was actually thinking of it this morning because we have, like, uh, we have some of the old guard involved in this and then some of like the next generation, you know, which... I would include myself in, and then, <laughs> and then we have like some some uh, a handful of newcomers that really have brought a lot to the table. So it's it's a it's a nice ensemble. And I- we we don't have a backstage crew per se. Our backstage crew are also our extras. So basically, it's the non-speaking parts or or, or ad-libbed speaking parts on stage who who dress the set when we have large you know just people living life crowding around. There's always activity going on somewhere on stage that's different from what the focus is. So people might be talking in the mess tent over way over on stage left, audience right, but you might have some people like throwing a football on the other side of the stage, and that's going to be some of our set people. So, As we've dis- been discussing, the way everyone's worked together and the chemistry of it, 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 this being my first time involved in the casting part, it kind of makes you feel good to know that you kind of hit the nail on the head when you see... It developing right. and you see it growing because as we're talking about like I'm, I'm relatively new and um this is the first time i've been involved this at this level where you know you know if you're an actor it's you, you're you're involved but until you're at this level of involvement with the production you don't realize how much you're in the periphery of it and how you know how involved it gets and, you know, the conversations we have to have and the decisions that have to be made. So it, it is an interesting part of it. Boy, but we had trouble with Hawkeye and Trapper, though, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, yeah, it, was, it was a tough choice. We knew that those two guys were going to be Hawkeye and Trapper. We just couldn't decide which one was going to be which. <laughs> They both brought so much to the auditions. It was we we kept we we called them back and had them read through a number of scenes again, just so we could be like, which way do we go? And I think at the end of the day, honestly, we could have put either one in either role and it would have been fine. But the, at the at the end of the day, there was a certain uh, there's just a certain thing that each one brought to the characters that just made them work in the roles they have. And it's like, yeah. And and I've never looked back and, and felt like we made a mistake there. And we've it's always been they've been great on stage. Their chemistry is great, and and it's just. And I think unlike the TV show where, I mean, Wayne Rogers left the TV show because he felt that it had become the Alan Alda show and he resented it. He really thought it was going to be an ensemble casting and resented that he was now playing second banana to Alan Alda. And this case, we're not that doing that at all. I mean, Trapper and Hawkeye are probably equal. Mm-hmm. You could put either one at top billing and it would be accurate. Um you could really see that in the TV show, especially now with having more experience theatrically. You could see how it would be kind of annoying to work with Alan Alda because he kind of he kind of chews up the scenery. He kind of takes up the whole thing. You know, he kind of takes up he 
This is a larger-than-life personality. Yeah, like, it, it, little nuances. Like, if the script said, you know, everyone hops around and, you know, he's the one that's doing high leg kicks and really taking over the thing and pushing everybody out of the way, and it's... <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. thankfully, Shane's not like that. <laughs> no, he's, he's a different hawk, a very different hawk guy. Um, Again, a, a nice, a different spin and, you know, nothing you'd want to change or be like, well, can you do it more... Alan Alda, can you do it more Donald Sutherland? No. No, they're they're great the way they are. And and you know, and then you got uh I've been, um, I've been I'm a fan of Mike Grandy doing uh, Oh Blake, I Blake. know. <laughs> I, I like Blake and I like the way he's done. Don't call Blake. him Henry. <laughs> Don't call him Henry. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's I just again it, it just really goes to the chemistry. It, there's there's like a chemistry on as a whole with everybody together, and then there's certain characters that interact, like um, Mike and Ruth as Radar and uh, Blake, and as you were saying, uh, Connor and um, Shane as Hawkeye and Trap, Margaret and um, Keith as uh, Frank and uh, Keith and yeah. Kelly. Yeah, it's the, they they work together with their the two of them together, and then everybody together as a whole. It's just really coming together nicely. I, 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 I think, and I know you do because we've talked about this, and we're oh, yeah. very happy about the way that's going. And I just hope you we get, will be too. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I hope we get an audience. I hope everyone listening wants to come out and see the show. I think, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think every director of every show says, "Oh, this show is not like anything else we've done before. It's going to be really, really great." Um, and that's that's I think it's you, you always feel that way about your own stuff. That's true. But I do think there's something about this show that you know, partly because we're trying to push the envelope on on the technical side. We're trying to do things that's, that we've never done as a theater before. And it's coming out really great so far. I think because it's MASH and because it's such an amazing, um, you know, even if you've never watched the TV show, if you're if you're too young to have really fallen down that particular rabbit hole, it's it's an amazing thing. I mean, to, to set a comedy three miles from the front line during a war, that's, 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 you don't see that every day. I mean, aside from what Hogan's heroes and mash, what else has there been? <laughs> what am I forgetting? I, I know there's something else I'm forgetting. And, and I think even, even Hogan's heroes tended more toward the slapstick than, than this does. There was, you know, this embraced the tension of war. This really made you feel the, the, the horror of war. Exactly. They never really, and Hogan shows, they, they, they never really dealt with the fact that they were actually in a war. <laughs> no, really. It was, it was more like, haha, the silly German com- commandant, we can, we can t- put one over on him. I mean, and Schultz, I see nothing and all that. But MASH was like, you know, what, what's that line that one of the nurses has when Margaret's on her for drinking? She's like, you know, I, I don't feel anything anymore. Uh, I, I just, with, with burn victims, look like mummies and, you know, children and, and soldiers and, and all this horrors, you know, that she drinks to feel because mm-hmm. she's, just, she's just so dead inside. And, and that's like, that is, and, and to have that line in a comedy, you know, and that's, that's kind of amazing to me. It's like, what, what genius with all this stuff, it's just amazing what they've come up with. And we get to, we get to play in that universe for a few months. It's nice. <laughs> The box office is open for MASH. You can reserve your tickets now at our online box office at www.swampmeadow.org or by calling 1-888-493-7110. 
Performances are April 8, 9, 10, and 15, 16, 17. Friday and Saturday shows are at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday shows are at 12, uh, 2.30 p.m. In other news, the children's the summer children's play this year is Susical the Musical Junior, directed by Emily Carter. Details can be found on the Swamp Meta website. That's it for the news this time around. The aspect of the whole camp being a static part of the stage setting also helps make the audience feel like they're in the camp. It's not the typical you know, strike, put up, strike, put up. I mean, the scenes change, but the actors that were in that scene stay, for example, in the mess tent, and, you know, the the action moves to the swamp or the nurse's tent, but there's still activity in the mess tent. It's just now gone to the background instead of the foreground. Right. But there's always, there's always motion, there's always movement, there's always something going on, which... Uh, I, I I really liked that from the first initial read. I mean, that's one of the things that that's focusing on with the Tim Kelly. Absolutely, uh, and it's it that sense of of motion, the sense that there's always something happening. I, I had it in my head that I I didn't want to ever have a scene change situation where we gave the audience a chance to applaud. Not that I don't want to hear applause, but that. I don't want to break the flow. I and, and Act One does this. I, I don't think Act Two, I don't think Act Two quite does it because Act Two, because of some of the stuff that happens in it, that, that we need to have a, a, a sort of a break, go dark or what have you moment. But in Act One, we manage to flow from thing to thing to thing, and I think it, in such a way that the audience they might clap, they might not clap, but they're they they're not given much of a chance to because we keep moving. We keep always moving forward. Act two, because of some of the stuff that happens in it, there is a chance. There are times when you do sort of stop, reset, move on kind of thing. Uh, there's some, there's some, some great, there's just some great moments in the play. <laughs> just think about some of the things we're going to do. And I just, you know, when we're doing a rehearsal and there's somebody new there that's never been to a rehearsal before and you hear them just losing it over something we done. And the thing like, is this going to work? I don't know if this is going to work. And then they laugh like, Oh my oh. God. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I was actually enjoying that uh, a few nights ago. I think it was um, Jacob was the first, it was his first time there and him chuckling. And I'm like, cause you had pointed out Thursday, how, we were deeply embedded into it. We actually, you know, we pretty much know what netline's coming next, right. and they're still cracking us up. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And we've watched them do it. <laughs> but to hear somebody else laugh, to hear somebody else oh, come yeah. in, and you know, like the—I don't want to give it away—but there's the, 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 the tableau. We'll call it the tableau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tableau. So yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, I, I was actually uh, speaking with the producer my wife <laughs> about having like it'd be nice to have like one guest person to just sit in just to get a reaction uh the maybe tech week or maybe the week before um i mean tech week it, it, most shows in swap meadow we have a tech week which is where we add all the tech but we've actually been already working with sound and lights um so we're already integrating tech in our rehearsals now it's funny we're doing full tech now but with no costumes and no sets and um, no props yet. Uh, so uh, we, we're only off book this week for the first time. But um, so we're, we're in many ways, we're already rehearsing with the tech, which is good because the actors really need to be familiar with what's coming and, and how to handle it. 
but there are certain things like there's a there's a point in the play where there is a, a pretty big explosion um, that gets everyone to sort of freak out and drop to the ground and then react to it. And one of the things that uh, we've talked about with with Dennis, who's who's running the tech for the show, and and this was actually Dennis was the one pushing for this as well, is he's never going to do it at the same time twice. <laughs> he's going to vary when it happens because he wants to catch the actors off guard. He wants it to feel more of a <gasps> moment than a oh yeah here it comes boom you know I reckon kaboom comes right after this thing happens and there's the boom. Um, instead, it's it's we want them to to have it just completely catch them unawares so that there's a more more of a realism to it. Well. I, I think that's been one of the cool parts for me is working with you and we kind of have we kind of have a shared vision of it where we're not really banging heads on pretty much anything it's I, at least that's how I feel I totally feel that way it's, it's been this has been a, a fantastic collaboration because you know at the end of the day we're both just mash fanatics the, uh, Steve. Goulet, who had come to audition to do music. Oh, yes, and, yes. And he's, uh, you and him had talked about it, and him being another part of the, you know, it's not, there will be, of course, canned music, but him being a part of the production and, and moving around, like, uh, I always forget the guy's name, uh, from, from uh, Loudon the Third. Loudon Wainwright the Third, yes, from the original TV show. But him actually being in the set and moving around and, 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 and... Just playing incidental music for us. Yeah, themes and, and such. It's, it's just... I, 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 that's one of the best parts about working with the theater is, you know, everyone has talents and they bring them, they bring them to the table. And most of the time... <laughs> well, all the time thus far I've been involved, it all kind of comes together into something you can really be proud of and... I, th- I think both of us at this point are feeling like we got something we're proud of. Very much so. Right now. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, the origi- I think the idea of having music appearing fairly often in the show is something I, I, I think I would have not wanted to do in um, in normal life. It's it's something I, I never would have thought of, of doing. But I was in... Uh, Swamp Meadow did Our Town uh, a little over a year ago, directed by Tim Hillman, and Tim had his son playing improvised music through every production, and uh, when we, we all first heard that, we all thought, oh no, that's going to get cloying real fast, but there was something about it that just worked. It just worked, probably because the music fit what was going on, and and as an actor, I'm thinking back, I don't remember hearing it. <laughs> it must have fit so well that it didn't even impact on my thinking. And um, and so Steve, in many ways, is going to do that, too, because it's not going to be like in-your-face music. It's going to be very subtle. You know, he's he's come up with themes for various characters that will sort of evoke them. And, and uh, you know, there'll just be little subtle things. It's not all the time. It's it's just, you know, a lot of it's going to be bridging scenes when there's other activity going on. Some of it will be during scenes. But it's it's really it's amazing that we have this 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 talent coming to us and, and with all these great ideas it's like this is this it it raises the bar on what we're doing creatively I, th- I think especially yourself have been very open to um, people throwing their creativity you know their creative hat into the ring so you know you get a lot from various different directions whether it's <laughs> the, the hackers are getting very used to my somebody will try to they'll add lips on stage and i'll just go no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no we're not doing that no 
because it's very I could tell when somebody's just like I'm gonna try this out no that does not work at all yeah. you know but if it does work what was oh what was the one it was uh it was Tyler who plays Klinger he just he was it was the, the scene where he's sitting in the mess tent talking to a few of the others and he just randomly grabbed his boots took them off put them on top of the table and began polishing them with a napkin and I watched that and I just and afterwards I said do that. That was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. And I said the best thing about it is that if anybody says anything, you know, you can ad lib like don't put your don't put your shoes on the table. And say why? It's going to make it cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, that, that that really seems like they it's like we've gone. I'm talking in circles again, but uh, <laughs> the the actors have really gotten into their roles, so it's almost like you could. You could do like exercises with them, where put them in situations that aren't put in the play, and they would they would react as the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, like they would, you know. Actually, maybe we should do that. Do like a fun little exercise and put it. All right, you guys are in Times Square or whatever. And, <laughs> you know, it's not even part of the play and it's unscripted. But how would they respond as characters? Because I, I think quite a few of them would be able to really work something out like that because they they've really seemed to adopt into their characters. Um, I'm very not to gush all over them, but no. I'm very happy with. I'm I'm thrilled with them. I'm, this is going to be uh, this is really going to be something really special, and I'm I'm I really hope we get people come out for it because it's the worst is is if you work really hard on something and then you don't get an audience for it, and then it just feels like oh god, you know you you feel bad because they're really missing out. Yeah, exactly. They're the ones that are going to regret it. You know, and <laughs> like and, you had brought up uh, you had brought up our town. And I actually, uh, Alicia and I went to see it on the Sunday, on the last Sunday. And I, I was kind of disappointed that I waited till the last Sunday because I would have went and seen it again because it was fantastic. It's, it's funny. The Lumber Heel who actually came twice to see that show was surprising me. That was very surprising. I mean, there's a reason why that's considered the greatest American play ever written. I mean, that, that, is, that is considered the best of the best. Um, and Tim told us when we first started rehearsing the show, he said there's some statistic out there that at any given time, there are at least 1,000 different productions being put on in the United States somewhere at any given time or something like that. I mean, it's a crazy number. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a great play to do because there's no set needed. Exactly. <laughs> you need a ladder and some chairs. That's it. But, And actually, you know, we're not all that different with MASH. I mean, we're, 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 we're putting up some tents and we're going to have some chairs and some foot lockers. That's kind of a, and cots. We got the cots, the foot lockers, the tents, and a couple of chairs. It's a good point that you made because I remember early on talking about this with the. Uh, at that point, he was just Connor, but now he's Trapper. Connor was talking about how no one else is going to be doing Mash, so you know when you're looking through other productions by other community theaters, and they're you know a lot of them do different things, but you know some stick to the staples, and you know you see Mash and. I know Alicia's done a lot of word of mouth just wearing her T-shirt around and having people talk to her. Oh, MASH, I love that show. It, it really, like as we were talking about when we, when we started, um, you know, you, you're brought into it usually by a family member. Like, it invokes memories of right, the right. TV show because it was such a long-running show. Like, I, I forget to mention it back then, but I can still remember um, growing up as a kid at that at the time, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen came out, the final episode. We actually lived in um, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and we we didn't have, like, we didn't get to watch that live. And I remember friends of my parents taping it on, you know, 
brand new VCRs that were the size of a refrigerator now and <laughs> mailing it over because all we had was one the one military TV channel, the AFRTS TV channel. So we everything we watched was like two years old. So having oh. that sent over, my parents actually had a big party and had a bunch of people over. Well, comparing it to modern times and how certain popular television series have ended, it really was a better ending than you've got from, you know, other things come to mind. <laughs> there are very few shows that get their final episode right. Some And some that went way off the rails. That's just like, what were you thinking? And shows that I, I dearly love that I look back now and I think, I, I love it except for that last episode. I really wish they hadn't done that. MASH did, I thought, a beautiful final episode. Um, it was it was great on every level. I really, and it had one of the best plot twists I've ever seen in my life. The 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 the, the one person who didn't leave, who stayed behind, and I think that's to me <laughs> still the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Oh yeah, um, and it had a very deep emotional thing with um, Alan Alda, with you know the whole incident that yeah. And Try not to blow it for people that never watched it, and that's and that's why that that was such a controversy because they they didn't like the fact that Alan Alda finally snapped and went into the mental institution, and it's like, but you see why, you see why he kind of lost it. He didn't crack up, crack up. He just had like a little crack up, but it was enough. You notice that when Alan Alda took over the writing too, that um, Hawkeye became a lot more of a flawed character. He did. Like, he like did. A lot of different things like happened to him where. You know, like the drunk, the drunk one with radar. The only way to say it, he was just, he became flawed. He, there was more development, and there, there was actually development for more of the characters that were long running after a while. Like William Christopher as Father McKay, he was there forever. Yep. And it was only until later on that they really started developing him as a character. <laughs> for listening if you have any ideas for upcoming shows or better still if you would like to record and post your own shows drop me a line andy at andyaffleck.com i look forward to hearing from you until next time take care